Hello, and welcome to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Margaret Parker. Today, I will be speaking with Aaron Bansal, MD, on the article, Randomized Clinical Trial of 20% Manitol versus 3% Hypertonic Saline in Children with Raised Intracranial Pressure Due to Acute Central Nervous System Infections, published in Pediatric Critical Care Medicine. To access the full article, visit pccmjournal.org. Dr. Bansal is a professor in the Pediatric Critical Care Unit in the Department of Pediatrics at the Advanced Pediatric Center Postgraduate Institute of Medical Education and Research in Chandigarh, India. Welcome, Dr. Bansal. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Margaret, for having me. You're welcome. Before we start, do you have any disclosures to report? Uh, no, uh, none, none to disclose. Okay, thank you. Um, so, Aaron, would you start by giving us some background um, for your study? What led you to do this uh, randomized clinical trial? Yeah. Um, thank you, Dr. Margaret, for having me. Uh, first of all, I would like to thank you and the CCM for uh, inviting me. So coming back to your question on the uh, what led to and what made us think about this RCT, um, traditionally, we all have been u- using Manitol um, as a uh, osmotherapeutic agent in all children with raised ICP, whether traumatic or non-traumatic uh, uh, brain injuries. And uh, gradually we came to realize that Manitol has got its own side effects, especially significant diuresis and hypertension, and that lead to significant uh, rebound rise in uh, raised ICP. So we had some data on this in uh, pediatric patients from the traumatic brain injury uh, children. Uh, but there were none uh, of these was available, uh, such data was available in uh, non-traumatic uh, brain injuries. Uh, surgeons are commonly using Manitol and uh, they still use, I think, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, they have some uh, something for Manitol and uh, that's their preferred drug. But in our personal experience in our unit and in my own experience also, what I observed was that uh, with the Manitol, we saw significant drop in uh, blood pressure uh, uh, over a period of time, and that led to uh, uh, re- uh, decrease in the, uh, the cerebral perfusion pressure, the brain perfusion, and then the rebound raised in ICP used to occur, child used to go in shock, and that led to a lot many problems. So that's when we thought that uh, a hypertonic cell line, we tried in few patients, it did work, and we had some pleasant experience with that drug over a period of time. But then we looked at the literature, we find now much evidence on this in a pediatric patient in non-traumatic comas, uh, especially in CNS infections. So then we thought about it, uh, uh, did some literature search, and we planned that this would be a good topic to look into. And if we can get some evidence in favor or uh, uh, of HTS or otherwise, it will be a good addition to the current medical literature and a good addition to the science. So that's how we came up this with the idea. And then I had a, a good team, and Dr. Ramesh joined me as my research uh, fellow. So he was very keen on doing this uh, uh, for, as a part of his research because we had done some papers together on raised ICP earlier also. 
So that's how this uh, seed was uh, germinated in our uh, uh, thought process and we came up with this. And we are glad that we did it because we got some very interesting data on this paper. So tell us how you did the study. Uh, that's a, uh, a very good question. Um, basically, um, we have been using the invasive ICP monitoring in our unit since I would say uh, uh, year 2003, four onwards. So uh, we have now commonly using in uh, uh, invasive ICP monitoring in all the patients who present with uh, CNS infections and raised ICP. We did one earlier study on the uh, uh, profile, uh, again a randomized control trial published in Critical Care Medicine Journal in 2014 on the uh, comparison of cerebral perfusion pressure targeted versus uh, intracranial pressure targeted therapy in CNS infections. So we developed on that paper and uh, we designed this uh, on the um, uh, Manitol versus HDL uh, hypertonic cell line study on this. So what we did was, uh, and also I would like to add one more thing in this, that uh, CNS infections are very common in our part of the world. And uh, in our ICU, uh, infections predominate approximately 60 to 70% of the, our patients are loaded with uh, infections and out of which the CNS infections are very predominantly uh, seen. So what we did was we basically took all the patients uh, who presented with the uh, clinical history of CNS infections that included either um, meningitis or encephalitis. Uh, they were included, which if they satisfy our inclusion criteria into the CNS infections, they uh, we included a children between the age of one to 12 year old and uh, who had features of raised ICP, clinical features of raised ICP at presentation. So all these children were randomized into uh, uh, either arm, means either onto the hypertonic cell line arm or to the manitol arm. We excluded some of the uh, children like children with malaria, which is very common in our part, uh, dengue, and children who had already received manitol or who had features of brain death, they were excluded at admission. So after randomization, which was a computer-generated randomization, block randomizations were done, they received either manitol uh, at a dose of 0.5 gram per kg uh, over 20 minutes. And then um, after every four hours or longer as and when it was required. And uh, hypertonic saline, we initially gave as a bolus of 10 ml per kg and uh, over 20 minutes. And then an infusion of 0.5 to 1 ml per kg per hour uh, was started. And it was high in a uh, sliding scale infusion parameter was followed. And uh, before starting this <clears throat> uh, drug, and uh, we uh, inserted the ICP catheter in all our patients. So ICP catheter is inserted bedside uh, by our uh, team of uh, uh, fellows working in the ICU. Uh, we use the Codman uh, Johnson & Johnson's uh, ICP monitor. So that's an intraparenchymal um, uh, ICP catheter, which is used, uh, fiber optic catheter, which can measure the continuous change in the, uh, uh, any changes in the ICP, which is happening inside the brain. So once that was inserted, the uh, patient was randomized into either of the arm. They were started on that particular drug. 
Then for the next 48 to 72 hours, we continuously monitored their baseline parameters and all the hemodynamic and ICP parameters every two hourly. And uh, we continued with the osmotherapy. And then in the hypertonic cell line, serum sodium was monitored every six hourly because of the uh, risk of hyponatremia. And we targeted the maximum serum sodium of 155. And we also measured the os uh, serum osmolality uh, in all these patients every six hourly was monitored. So we did not allow the osmolality to go above 360 in the hypertonic cell line group. Similarly, in the mannitol group, uh, they were receiving mannitol every four hourly or later, depending upon the spikes, which are ICP spikes, which are happening. And serum osmolality was monitored uh, also uh, every six hourly on these patients. And we calculated the osmolar gap also along with. Uh, any adverse effects uh, of hypertonic saline or mannitol-related drugs were monitored like diuresis, hypertension, serum sodium, uh, renal injury, and uh, hemolysis or coagulopathy. And uh, uh, all these features were monitored. Then we, at discharge, uh, we monitored their uh, neurological parameter. Uh, uh, that's their functional outcome based on the pediatric cerebral performance category scale. And this parameter or this scale, this tool was used again at the follow-up in all the survivors at three months. So on the basis of their functional status, they were classified as normal, mild, moderate, or severe disability. And uh, uh, so that's it. I think we it required a lot of monitoring and a uh, lot of interventions were there. Um, so monitoring was both clinical and laboratory based. So it uh, I think we had um, uh, collected the data very robustly and all this was digitally recorded in all uh, our uh, digital softwares. Uh, quite an impressive effort. Uh, what were your primary and secondary outcomes? Uh, our main primary outcome, main outcome was the uh, whether how many uh, proportion of patients had achieved the uh, uh, ICP, which was less than 20, 20 millimeters of mercury during 72 hours. That's the target ICP which we had uh, set at. And uh, uh, we had also measured the, a few secondary outcomes uh, which was the modified Glasgow coma scale at 72 hours at PICU discharge and uh, any uh, complications uh, which had developed or, uh, with any of the drugs uh, uh, which required discontinuation or withholding of osmotherapy. Uh, we also measured the uh, uh, ventilatory free days and the PICU stay days. Uh, then at the uh, uh, end of their PICU stay, we also calculated the PICU mortality and then uh, functional neurological outcome status at PICU discharge was also measured in all these children. So we actually wanted to do measure the mortality uh, outcome in these cases, but then uh, the sample size for mortality was coming too large. So uh, that was the reason we couldn't do that. So tell us what you found when you um, looked at your data. Yeah. Uh, so it was an interesting outcome uh, which we came out uh, from this paper and uh, we were also means though we had hypothesized that a, a hypertonic cell line is better in controlling the ICP, but our results were quite significant. 
uh, we uh, screened approximately, uh, I think, exactly 109 patients, and out of which we enrolled 57 patients, uh, 29 in the hypertonic saline arm and 28 in the mannitol group. So all the baseline we found, they were all very comparable in terms of their age, sex, and uh, hemodynamic parameters, their ICP's value, their cerebral perfusion pressure values. They were almost similar in both the groups. So as per the primary outcome, which was the uh, uh, proportion of patients who achieved the target ICP less than 20, uh, we found that in the hypertonic saline arm, there was a significant uh, number of patients who had uh, achieved um, ICP less than 20 in the first 72 hours, as high as up, up to 80%, compared to approximately 53 or 54% in the manitol arm. So that was very significant and uh, means uh, uh, coming to the hazard ratio of approximately 2.63. So uh, we also observed that uh, uh, the mean ICP during the first 72 hours was significantly lower uh, and, uh, in the uh, hypertonic saline arm. Uh, and the mean ICP in first 72 hours in the hypertonic saline group was 14 millimeters of mercury compared to 22 millimeters of mercury in the manitol group. And as the ICP, mean ICP was lower, so significant. Similarly, the cerebral perfusion pressure was also above our target range. And in the hypertonic saline arm, which are 65 millimeters mercury compared to 58 in the uh, uh, manitol group. So, and uh, we also compared the delta ICP uh, changes in uh, 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 both the groups. So there was significant fall of ICP from the baseline to 72 um, hours in the hypertonic saline group. Um, so there was a fall of approximately 14 millimeters of ICP in the hypertonic saline group compared to just five millimeters, 5.4 millimeters in the mentol group. And uh, similarly, the delta, the change in cerebral perfusion pressure, the delta CPP was also quite uh, significantly increased in the hypertonic saline group. So all of our primary outcome objectives were significant in this arm as compared to in the hypertonic saline arm as compared to the manitol group. When we uh, compared our uh, secondary outcomes, uh, we uh, similarly found that our modified Glasgow coma score, uh, both at 72 hours and at PICU discharge uh, was uh, significantly improved in the hypertonic saline group. And uh, we also found that uh, uh, the duration uh, of the children requiring hyperventilation was less in the hypertonic saline group than in the uh, mannitol group. So all these results are quite significant and uh, uh, favoring um, the uh, uh, hypertonic saline usage in um, uh, raised ICP and CNS infections. We uh, Another interesting thing which uh, uh, people usually see about uh, the any procedure-related complications or drug-related complications. So we, uh, interestingly, in our uh, uh, 57 patients, uh, we did not find any procedure-related complications like uh, any bleed or uh, uh, displacement of the catheter or any local site infection. So no such uh, adverse events were found in uh, related to the procedure. 
and similarly uh, if we measured the uh, if we had seen the uh, 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 hypernatremia in the uh, 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 hypertonic saline group uh, versus the mannitol group there was no, not much difference uh, a significant difference in both the arms and also the procedure uh, mannitol related hypotension um, that was quite significant that was another interesting finding which we saw that the hypertension uh, related uh, in hypertonic saline arm was seen in only two patients uh, two patients out of all the 28 patients compared to uh, 16 patients in the mannitol group so hypotension which is a dreaded complication uh, in any child with raised icp was quite quite significantly high in the mannitol group so that's what we had observed that uh, even in the uh, outcome wise and in the adverse parameters and complications they were significantly lower in the hypertonic saline group Really interesting findings. Can you um, talk about the limitations of this study? Uh, the major limitation of this study, Dr. Margaret, I think was that uh, this single center study, uh, and we had included though uh, we had included a cohort of the patients manifesting the CNS infections. Uh, but then it may not be um, so easily extrapolated uh, to uh, the other centers. So I think we, uh, to cover that, maybe a multicentric uh, study, which can, we can have a large sample size and a, uh, all the subgroups of uh, infections can be covered in that would be a, a very good um, study. And this can form a basis or a template for that to build up, up uh, build up on that. Also, uh, we had not measured uh, the uh, met cerebral metabolism like the uh, glucose, oxygen, lactate, uh, the brain metabolism parameters were not measured. And the, we had not measured the continuous autoregulation, uh, which now have, we have uh, now got few softwares available in which you can me measure the autoregulation parameters also in this. So uh, these were one of a few of those limitations. Along with, we had included all the cohort of CNS infections. We had not specified into whether uh, bacterial infections or viral infections or any other atypical infections will behave similarly or differently in these group because uh, uh, traumatic injuries, different infections, other non-traumatic comas have all different etiologies and mechanism of action in the uh, increase in ICP. Uh, one more feature which uh, was limiting in our study was that the uh, dosage of men, manitol. Uh, we had used a 20% manitol and we have used a 3% hypertonic saline. People have used 7.5% hypertonic saline, 23% saline, or people have used, we have used fixed uh, and intermittent dosing of 20% manitol. So, various combinations are available and they might have different effects on the outcome. Uh, but we had used this manitol dosage and maximum dosage we had fixed at two grams per kg because we were quite concerned about its side effects, which was mainly hypertension. And even at this dosage, we think uh, we found that 
significant number of patients developed hypertension with the usage of mannitol. So I think using more uh, higher, or uh, not more, I mean, say higher doses of mannitol can lead to more serious side effects. So that may not be advisable. So these are the few uh, of our uh, limitations, which can, I think we can beat this uh, or uh, tide over this limitation if we can have a large sample size and a multicentric from different regions so that uh, it can be extrapolated to other centers. This study requires placing an ICP catheter via burr hole. Who does the burr hole at your institution? Yeah, that's, uh, I think, a very, very important question which you have raised, Dr. Margaret. Uh, at our institution, first I will answer that, that it's our uh, it's done bedside and our own fellows put the icp catheter and they have now become so trained and used to that it has passing from one uh, semester to the other and they get trained uh, uh, from the seniors uh, and they are very comfortable we have not found any complications related to the placement of uh, icp catheter at the bedside by intensivists having said that i would say that it was not easy to start with when in 2003 and 4 we got this machine in our unit and wanted to start it, we had some uh, resistance from the neurosurgeons regarding who will put the uh, ICP catheter because I think that's one of the limiting factor in many other centers to when they start uh, discussing with us that they want to use this equipment in the unit. So we convinced them. Uh, it's like putting any, um, we discuss with them, like when we are putting the chest tube in the, uh, the we're doing pericardiosynthesis or we're doing the uh, ventricular tap. So if that can be done and if it's well-trained, uh, uh, people can use it. And there is also the data available that in adults, there is a lot, lot of data that uh, non-neurosurgeons have used, um, uh, have put, uh, done the burr hole and placed these catheters in the unit uh, at the bedside, including, I would say, like uh, uh, anesthetists have done it. Uh, uh, and in emergency department, people have placed it. Um, uh, then we have people placing, uh, like uh, uh, neurointensivists have done it, uh, and non-neurosurgeons. And these have the, all these data has been published in very good journals. So once we discuss all this in our ethics committee and we discuss with neurosurgeons, they agreed to train our fellows. So we got training from the neurosurgeons and under their guidance, we slowly developed our program. And now uh, after a few months of training um, and under their guidance, our fellows and we ourselves became very confident and started putting the catheter ourselves doing the buttholes. And uh, now almost we have done more than 500 ICP placements till now, and all have been done by our fellows without any side effects. Uh, I'd like to add one more thing into this, that we published this experience to highlight that uh, bedside placement of uh, these catheters by pediatric intensivists is safe. So in uh, uh, our own journal of pediatric critical care medicine, we published our data in year 2015 that uh, bedside burhole for ICP monitoring performed by pediatric intensivists, our 10-year experience. So we published that, we shown that uh, uh, 265 ICP catheters were placed over a period of 10 years, and we did not find any adverse event related to that, and it has shown that uh, uh, it's quite uh, useful. 
Uh, other advantage that if you do it bedside and you train your fellows and yourself to do it is that you save a lot of time because we all know how busy the neurosurgeons are. They might, when you send a call, they might be very busy or they might take time. We saw that it can delay the procedure to as much as 24 to 48 hours uh, uh, because of their uh, busy schedule and uh, limited availabilities. So if you put an early catheter, you can save a lot of time and your outcome is significantly better. That is what we had shown in our that paper also. So uh, I think it is very, very important to highlight this issue that with adequate training and uh, uh, guidance, it's a very safe, uh, procedure and can be easily uh, performed by the intensivists. Thank you very much. That's not the usual model, but clearly a very interesting point. So what do you think your results mean for the practicing PICU clinician? Should we all be using hypertonic saline in children with CNS infections? Uh, what, what? Where do you think we should go from here? Yeah. Uh, what I would say is I would be very guarded in saying that, but what is uh, very clear that uh, I'll say that ICP monitoring is safe and it should be done. And it has, if done under proper monitor, if treat management is under proper ICP monitoring care, your outcome is much better. So that I think with our experience, I am pretty um, uh, safely say that. Uh, now coming back to uh, hypotonic saline or mannitol, um, I would be uh, uh, err on the side or I would bet on that that uh, hypertonic saline uh, is safer and should be the first line drug uh, for children with CNS infection and uh, raised ICP. Manitol, because of all its side effects uh, in our previous experience also and in our this study also, it has shown that uh, it, has, uh, it can be dangerous. So it should be reserved only for extreme cases uh, like impending herniation or uh, uh, you're having significant raised ICP, uh, which is not getting controlled. So maybe as a short term or an emergency measure, it can be used. Uh, and also, I would like to say that uh, uh, if even if your ICP, some centers may not have ICP because of the ICP monitoring, because of the expertise or because of the cost, they cannot afford. Uh, I think another kind of uh, uh, country like uh, resource limiting countries, it's quite a big cost. So even if you don't have it, I would say that clinically, you can manage all children with encephalopathy, uh, uh, consider them to have ICP and you target your uh, mean arterial blood pressures towards more than 75th to 90th centile. And then um, we hope that your cerebral perfusion pressure would be maintained. So, uh, uh, I, I would like to, uh, uh, in the end, I would like to say this, that uh, use HTL, hypertonic saline, it is safe and it is better. Uh, but only thing in this which you have to do is to monitor your serum sodium regularly. Don't let your sodium go above uh, 155 and definitely not above 160 because there is uh, the data above or around these values is not very clear. And you may start seeing the side effects of the uh, related to uh, hyponatremia, which we don't want. So if you can do that, I think it's a very good drug to use. Thank you very much, Aaron, for walking us through your study and, and presenting those really interesting results. My pleasure. Thank you so much.
We have been talking today with Dr. Aaron Bansal from the Advanced Pediatric Center Postgraduate Institute of Medical Education and Research in Chandigarh, India, about the article, Randomized Clinical Trial of 20% Manitol versus 3% Hypertonic Saline in Children with Raised Intracranial Pressure Due to Acute Central Nervous System Infections, published in Pediatric Critical Care Medicine. This concludes another edition of the iCritical Care Podcast. For the iCritical Care Podcast, I'm Dr. Margaret Parker. Margaret Parker, MD, MCCM, is Professor Emeritus of Pediatrics at Stony Brook University in New York. She is a former president of the Society of Critical Care Medicine. She is currently serving as Associate Editor of Critical Care Medicine and Senior Associate Editor of Pediatric Critical Care Medicine. Join or renew your membership with SCCM, the only multi-professional society dedicated exclusively to the advancement of critical care. Contact a customer service representative at 847-827-6888 or visit sccm.org slash membership for more information. The iCritical Care podcast is the copyrighted material of the Society of Critical Care Medicine and all rights are reserved. Statements of fact and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of authors and participants and do not imply an opinion or endorsement on the part of the Society of Critical Care Medicine, its officers, volunteers, or members, or that of the podcast commercial supporter.